the Girl Means Business podcast. I'm your host, Kendra Swalls. Over the last few years, I have built a business that allowed me to quit my nine to five, spend more time with the ones that I love, and live my best life. Now, I'm sharing everything I learned along the way with you. Each week, my guests and I will share actionable tips, tangible advice, and honest conversations to help you build your dream business. So get ready to take notes and put in the work because this girl means business. Hey guys, and welcome back to another week of the Girl Means Business podcast. I am extra excited about this week for two reasons. One, because our special guest this week is amazing. Her name is Andy Sloot, and she's a financial planner here in Dallas, and she is sharing so much money wisdom with us today that it's going to be one of my most favorite episodes. It's jam-packed with so much great information. But before we dive into my interview with Andy, I want to share something really, really exciting that just launched this week. So for the past year, I have been working on this crazy idea that I had to create a subscription service just for incredible boss babes like you. This subscription service is called the Business Box. And similar to those subscription boxes you receive in the mail, this one is designed to come to you on a monthly basis in digital form. Think of it like your monthly mentoring coach session rolled in with tons and tons of amazing products that can help you build your business one foundation piece at a time. Now, this business box is designed so that each month's box has a different theme. For example, box one is all about social media. So you will have an entire month to dive into all the content and implement it into your business to see results immediately. Before you move on to box two, giving you plenty of time to really implement the content. While I love online learning and I love courses, one of the problems I always found with courses is that I would get bombarded with information and it was too much for me to know what to do with. I didn't have the time I needed to implement all of the pieces of information that was coming at me in this online course. So with the business box, you get one topic a month to really dig deep into, to really put to work in your business and start seeing results before you move on to the next topic. And the way the business box is designed is each box is a foundational building block to your business. It's going to give you a really stable ground to build your business on so that you can have sustained success. One special thing about the business box as well is that you're going to have access to the Business Box Insiders Facebook group. This is where I'll be sharing weekly Q&A sessions. We'll be having seasonal content. You can ask all the questions you want, share what you're working on, and get support from other boss babes just like you. But as if that wasn't enough, I really wanted to find a way to combine physical content with the digital content you're getting each month. Because who doesn't love snail mail? It's amazing. I love it. So each quarter, you're also going to receive what I'm calling the mini mag in your mailbox delivered straight to your door. This is a magazine that is the physical companion to all the digital awesomeness you're getting inside the business box. We'll have guest articles from some of our top guests here on the podcast, as well as experts in our field. Andy herself is going to be contributing to some of our mini mag content. You will have seasonal advice and tips and things you can implement in your business right then and there. And you never know what special surprises will accompany the mini mag in your mailbox. Now, I know that investing in your business can be scary. You don't know if you're going to get the most out of your money, if you're going to make anything off of this product. So to help you feel confident in your subscription purchase, you can get your first month completely free. That's right. You get to try it before you buy it. So when you go to girlmeetsbusiness.com forward slash business box, you will find that you get one month completely free. This includes the welcome box and the box one social media topic. You'll get to dive into all of the content and really see if this is a good fit for your business before you invest on a monthly basis. And as always, you can cancel at any time if you choose to. However, I think you're going to love the content so much 
you're not going to want to get rid of it. And the Facebook group and the mini mag are just the amazing bonuses you need to get your business to that next level. So if you're ready to try out the business box for your free month, head to the link in today's show notes or go to www.girlmeansbusiness.com forward slash business dash box. And of course, all of that will be linked in the show notes. So it's quick and easy for you to click on. All right, guys, I am so excited about our guest today. Andy is an amazing financial planner here in Dallas. And when she and I sat down to talk, we could have talked for hours. Not only did she have some amazing content to share, but I had so many questions and questions that I'd heard you guys asking about in other groups and in our Facebook group. And I had asked y'all for your own questions to ask her. So this is straight from the questions you wanted to hear from Andy about how to handle money. I think money is something we don't talk enough about in small businesses. We kind of shy away from how much we're charging, how much we're making, what we're doing with our money. And so I wanted to make sure that we had someone on the show who was really knowledgeable in this area and could give us some amazing advice. And it doesn't hurt that Andy is a female herself. One of the things we talk about this interview is just how intimidating it can be when you go in to meet with a financial planner or a financial advisor and you're sitting across the table from an old man in a suit and tie who you don't feel like you have a connection with. So if you're looking for a financial planner in your business and you're local to the Dallas-Fort Worth area, please go check out Andy's page. Make sure you share her love on social media and go have a chat with her and see if she's a good fit for your business. All right, guys, here is my interview with Andy Sloot. Hi, Andy. Welcome to the Girl Means Business podcast. How are you today? Hi, I am well. Thank you so much for having me. Well, thank you. Yeah, I'm so excited you're here. I know that money is a big topic and I know it's one that a lot of people have questions around. So I'm really excited to jump in and talk about all kinds of questions that I know my listeners have, questions that you probably hear quite often in your line of work. So let's start by introducing yourself. Tell us a little bit about who you are, what you do, how you got started into your career path and how you help people. Sure. Well, general overview, obviously, my name's Andy Sloot. I'm a financial advisor with Ameriprise Financial, which is a broker-dealer firm. Um, You know, we really focus on comprehensive financial planning. So whereas a lot of different financial advisors might focus on higher net worth clients and have certain minimums and just really focus on investment management. We really look at the key points of somebody, what makes up somebody's financial life. So it's really important to us to be goal-based and understand our clients' goals first and foremost before we start pushing out recommendations or whatever it may be. Um, You know, I backed into this career. I spent three years in the insurance industry and through all the knowledge I gained within that industry, I really took a step back and and said, you know, I think you really have to understand somebody's full financial picture before you start diagnosing them, if you will. It's like being a doctor, not having any idea of what somebody's symptoms are, but then just writing them a prescription and saying, here you go. Good luck. (laughs) Right. I really want to understand somebody's full financial picture, not only now, but where they're trying to get. Uh, So I completely backed into this career. It is not what I went into school for. It is something that as an adult, you get out of school, you're given a huge booklet of benefits and 401k options and this and that, and you start making money and you're like, I have no idea what any of this means. (laughs) Um, So through that, I really got a passion for understanding my own finances and basically made myself the guinea pig for my clients, whereas I go out and learn everything that I possibly can and try to prevent people from making you know, big financial mistakes. That's awesome. Yeah. I think that money is such a strange topic because it's not something people like talking about. Usually it's not something people feel comfortable talking about. And I think there's a lot of fear around money. And when you have you know, like the listeners of this podcast are all women who are in business for themselves or are thinking about starting a business. And 
now they're faced with all of these different factors that have to do with money that they necessarily weren't faced with before, or maybe that's not, that's definitely not why they got in business. You know, I, as a photographer, I didn't go into business thinking, Oh, I can't wait to learn about finances and retirement plans and cash flow and taxes and all those things, but it's something you have to deal with. And so, um, do you work a lot with women or people who have small businesses? Do you work with larger companies? Who do you primarily work with? I work with a little bit of both, but my target um, client, if you will, is a female-owned small business owner, 100%. Um, you know, on top of on top of the difficulties we face just managing our own day-to-day finances, if you're in a full-time job with a corporation, that's difficult. And then add on the complexity of being a small business owner and not knowing, you know, what sales tax or tax bracket or self-employed tax means. And then on top of that, add on being a creative, right? Creative business owners do not want to spend any time in their books. It's not where their passion is, nor should it be. They're, they're supposed to be out there growing their business, meeting people, creating these beautiful works of art, wherever it may be in your business. And the finances is something that you don't want to do nor have the time to do when you're trying to grow your business. So for me, working with female small business owners is a passion of mine for sure. Yeah, that's awesome. Yeah. And I think all the things you just touched on are so true. Like, you know, it's not something we want to do. And I, I think too, when people are first starting out, they don't really know where to go for the questions because a lot of the information out there is hard to wade through. Like you don't know the jargon, you don't understand the terminology, you don't really understand what things are, what the difference are is between certain different aspects of finances. So I think it helps to have somebody like you that can kind of walk them through that. There's a bunch of noise out there, right? That's what I like to refer to it as. Even growing up in this business, there, there's not a single way to do something. And so many different people have opinions on how you approach a certain topic. So even if you're going at it, trying to learn it on your own, it's like, is A, B, or C person correct? You know, right. for my situation, it's right. all so specific and unique to each individual person that there is no one way to do anything. Yeah. Yeah, no, I think it's, and it's so helpful to have people like you. I think too, for like, for me, when I think of a financial guide or financial person, or even, you know, like a CPA, I think of some like old man in an office who doesn't understand my business and doesn't understand what I'm doing. And so to have somebody like you that feels relatable and feels like that you aren't going to look down on one of somebody like me, who's trying to run a business as a mom and you know, who's starting, you know, it, something creative. And so it's really helpful to have people like you in the industry that we can go to as a resource and as someone that we can kind of see ourselves in you as well. So I think that's really amazing. So I appreciate you doing that and helping all of us yeah. with all the, our Thanks. questions and things like that. So um, mm. one of the things I went and did before when I knew you were coming on, we were going to chat was I asked some of the listeners in the Facebook group and a couple other groups that I'm in to share some of their questions, things that they were wanting to know. And so I thought Mm -hmm. we could kind of go through those and then let you give your feedback. And if there's anything else you want to add to the, at the end of that, you can. Um, One of the biggest questions that a lot of the listeners asked was about retirement, because as when you work for a company, you know, you get your 401k or like for me, it was teacher retirement and it's something you don't ever think about. It's just kind of done for you unless you add on something else. And when you leave the corporate world or you leave your nine to five and you start working for yourself, that's just one more thing that you are looking at going, okay, well now what do I do? How do you do this on your own? So what advice do you have for small business owners to plan for retirement options even something they can do early on in the beginning of their business. Stay with us. We'll be right back. If you've been listening to the Girl Means Business podcast for any amount of time, then you know my love of email marketing runs deep. Not only is it a great way to generate new leads, but it's one of the most effective methods for nurturing warm leads and turning them into sales. 
Now, over the years, I've tested several email platforms, and my favorite by far is Flowdesk. Not only do they make email marketing simple and easy, even for the technically challenged, but they have everything you need to create stunning emails, capture leads, make sales, and automate the entire process, giving you time back in your busy day. And the cherry on top is you're only charged one flat fee no matter how many subscribers you have. So while other platforms will increase your price when you go over your pricing tier limit, Flowdesk has no price increases or hidden fees. If you're ready to give Flowdesk a try, click the link below in the show notes to save 50% off your first year. Let Flowdesk help you design emails people will love. Click the link below and check it out. I have a feeling you're going to love it just as much as I do. Yeah, so the industry when it comes to retirement has completely made a shift from what it was two generations ago, right? It's all on our shoulders pretty much now, regardless of whether you have a pension like your employee, uh, your teacher retirement. Two generations ago, they had pensions and they could rely on that. And they didn't really have to think about, is there going to be money for retirement? Now, business owner or not... People have things like a 401k, but don't really think about or understand, oh, is that 5% that I'm putting into my 401k going to get me to a sustainable life for 30 years or 40 years of my retirement? Um, Really thinking about it in a proactive format of, of kind of thinking about it in a backwards way, like this is what I need to retire off of now. What do I have to save being a 35-year-old person or whatever it may be? Mm-hmm. What does that look like? Now, for a business owner, it becomes even trickier because what options do you have? Um, come when you work for a corporation, they typically have a 401k, whether they match or not, but for small business owners, there's all kinds of options. I'm sure a lot of you are familiar with an IRA or an individual retirement account, um, which is great. And it's a start, but the maximum that you can put in that for 2019 is $6,000 for some people that might be just enough. For others who are really ramped up and their business has been growing for five years and have way more to put into something like that, then you have to start talking about things like a SEP or an individual 401k. There's all kinds of solutions there, but it depends on your business structure, right? It depends if you are, if it's just you or if you have employees. Because with each one of those plans, you have maximum maximum contributions that are set by the IRS, and you have discretionary um, and discriminatory ruling as far as if you contribute to your own retirement account as a business owner, do you have to contribute something to your employees? So understanding all the rulings around that and what is the right move for your situation um, is really important. So just kind of having that conversation and it can be determined pretty easily, right? Yeah. Uh, within, if you're looking for reducing your taxable income and, and being able to contribute pre-tax, or if you're just looking for somewhere to save and a Roth IRA is going to be great for you. And, so, you know, I don't want to go into too deta- too many yeah. details and throwing around all these financial terms. What are you talking about <laughs> a step in an IRA? And it, it's not important. What's important is understanding that it's, in, it's individual and unique to you and what you need. So to piggyback off that, because, and this is just kind of for my own, this is my own personal question here, but so with like my husband's business, you know, he or his, his job, he pays into a 401k, but we also have a separate or he has a separate retirement account that he started on his own as well to do in addition to that. Now, is that something that like he and I could feed into together or do we need to have separate, like I need to have one that kind of goes with my business or is it all personal? Can we have a joint one with the two of us together? How does that work? So to fund into a retirement account, it has to be earned income. So if you are earning income from your business, you can open up your retirement account. If your husband earns income from his company, he can fund his retirement account. Typically, when it comes to retirement account, it's all on an individual basis. 
Now, the contributions and what you can contribute to, like if you have access to a Roth IRA, which is just another form of uh, retirement account, um, it does depend on your combined uh, household, right, household income. So things like that can can determine what you're able to contribute into, but typically it's each individual retirement account. Gotcha. Okay, perfect. Well, thank yeah. you. I appreciate that. Okay, so the next question, moving on from retirement options, another popular question that was asked was about credit cards and business loans and the best way to go about really even starting a business. You know, a lot of times, depending on the industry that you're in, you know, again, I always go back to what I did with photography. My biggest investment, obviously, was my equipment, or I know that Mm -hmm. some people, you know, they have to have an office space, so they're having to rent a space or find a location that they can use for to hold to house, you know, their either their inventory or their staff or if you you know like a lot of people who are florists, they have to have refrigerators and you know all this kind of equipment they have to have. So what's the best way in your opinion to get that going? I mean, do you recommend people do business loans versus credit cards? How like is there a I guess a best option for that when you don't have the cash coming in to cover what you need to be paying to start your business or to fund your business. Yeah. So the best way about I, or the best way to approach funding your business is there's again, a whole slew of things we can talk about, (laughs) right? First and foremost, especially with people who start out with their business as a side hustle and they have a full-time job if you know you want to make that side hustle happen, and especially if it's a business where you need capital, and when I say capital, I mean equipment, office space, mm-hmm. refrigerators, what some serious expense to invest into the company before you can actually generate sales and revenue. Mm-hmm. If you know that's going to happen, then if you're not already using and saving as much from your full-time job to fund that side business, you're already hurting yourself. And you have to take that step first and foremost about how serious am I about this side business? And can I sacrifice eating out you know, as often as I do now or going to the bar or do I need to do that shopping free? You know, really tightening up and trying to self-fund your business as much as possible should be always be your first option. Second option, you know, you have external people that you can go out to for investment in your business at a zero interest rate loan. And these are people like our friends and family, right? Some people have their family who's going to fund their business for $20,000 at no interest and hopefully they can hopefully they'll see a return on that business. So if you have those resources, reach out to them first, right? Credit should be your final option between credit cards and loans. Typically, if you know it's going to take you a while to ramp up, loans are typically a lower interest rate over a long period of time. If you take out a business credit card, you might be at zero interest for a year, but do you know you're going to be able to bring in the revenue to pay off that amount in a year? Is a year's time enough? Right. So thinking about all of those things is really important. And I think a lot of business owners make the mistake and they have that mentality like, well, I'm just going to spend all of this on the upfront and I'll make it up later. And that very well may be true. Absolutely. If you're passionate about it and you're hardworking, absolutely. There are other ways to do it too. So I think first and foremost, you really have to be realistic with yourself and think, can I save aggressively so that I can fund my business on my own or at least start it? Yeah. I think it's interesting. I've been listening to another podcast that I'm really obsessed with right now. It's called How I Built This. And it's, Mm, yes. And Mm -hmm, I listened mm -hmm. to, um, the episode with, I can't remember the couple's name, but the ones who started boom chicka pop and Mm -hmm. they were talking about just how much credit card debt they went into to purchase the, you know, kettle corn popper. I don't know what, what the equipment was. It was like $10,000 up front. And then when it came time to expand and try to 
start, you know, making, I think they got, had some kind of contract with an NFL football team in their area to be like a sponsor of the, uh, the team. And they had to have all these extra things that they, to make them look more professional. And they got another credit card and they just put more on credit cards and listening to that. I was like, okay. I mean, I know there's so many people out there who, who think that way, who are like, I'll just put it on a credit card and I'll pay it off. And luckily for that couple, I mean, they were really, really successful and they were able to pay it off and make millions, but not every small business is that lucky. Not everybody has that big break. Not everybody gets bought out by a large company and can pay out, you know, a ton of money. And so Mm -hmm. I think for a lot of people, especially you talked about like, you know, being creatives, we're driven by the excitement of creating that thing, whether it's, you know, creating beautiful florals or starting a boutique and having to buy clothing inventory or a photographer wanting to make beautiful photos and needing the right equipment for that. And we get caught up in the excitement of starting this thing that we don't take into account the long-term plan. And I know so many people that have started businesses and I'm not, I mean, I'll be honest, I was this way too. I started a business not knowing anything about a plan for my business. And so luckily for me, I was able to use the money I was making for my nine to five to fund my business until I went full time. And, but not everybody thinks that way. And it's, you know, it, I don't know. It's just, it's, it's so hard to know what you don't know, but hopefully listening to this, people will realize like you need to have a plan and just putting a bunch of money on credit cards is not a, a plan. It's not a business plan. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, exactly. No, your first plan should be, especially, you know, talking about that capital, your first plan should be do your research and write down what all of that is going to cost. First and foremost, a lot of people jump first, which is, you know, a lot, so many people had made that, made a bit successful business by doing that. And that's amazing. But why do that when you can do a little bit prep work on the front end and save yourself so much pain on the back end? And if you haven't sat down and talked about or thought about how much money you're going to need to actually buy all of this equipment first and foremost, then you're just setting up yourself for failure because, yeah, you might charge it on a 6000 You might charge $6,000 on a card here and then two months down the road, you're like, Oh, well, need another 4,000 mm-hmm. projecting that could totally be, you know, it could, could be done. And another thing is a lot of people neglect to talk about the, the mentality and the psychology behind money. Okay. This is one of my like favorite things to talk about, especially when I have a couple Most of the time, people are of two sides of the spectrum in a couple. You have the spender and you have the saver Uh most of the time. Right. And the spender tends to think there's always going to be more money. I'm always, I'm I'm a hard worker. I'm always going to be able to produce more money. So it's okay if I spend more now, I'm going to catch up later. And the saver is more so, well, there's never going to be enough money. So I'm going to hoard everything that I have now. And that really impacts the decisions that we make um, with our money. And without understanding that, you know, we're kind of setting ourselves up for failure as well. Yeah. (laughs) So it's an interesting, interesting thing, but. So on, on that topic, we'll kind of jump ahead to one of their questions that we were going to get to, which was being involved in your finances with your spouse. So can you talk a little bit about the best way to go about that with, you know, cause most women are not starting this business by themselves. They have families, they have spouses or significant others, or even, you know, parents or siblings that they are kind of doing this either not necessarily the business with, but they are, you know, that's their support system. And so how do you help women kind of get involved with their spouse or their spouse involved with them? Because I know this is a big issue. My husband, and I've dealt with this too, of like, you know, his mine and ours, you know, he has his money from what he makes in his nine to five. I've got the one from my business. We, you know, we have obviously joint accounts. So like it's become this kind of strange new territory that we had to branch into of, well, how do we handle the fact that now our finances look a little bit different than it did when we were both working, you know, nine to fives and having the steady income. So what advice do you give to women in that aspect? 
stay with us. We'll be right back. Hey, photographers, are you ready to make 2024 your best year yet? Growing a business is tough. You're following all the successful photographers and experts, soaking up their best advice and downloading all their free guides, trying to replicate their success only to come up lacking, blaming yourself when their methods don't work for you. But the truth is, it isn't you. Free content and one-size-fits-all courses can only get you so far. What you need is personalized help and guidance, but that can get expensive. Well, not anymore. I've created the perfect solution to get you personalized results for less than $2 a day. Introducing the Focus Photographer Lab, a one-of-a-kind coaching membership that gets you one-on-one results for a fraction of the cost of traditional coaching. Inside the lab, you'll find the three C's to success, classes, coaching, and community. With classes, you gain access to a treasure trove of pre-recorded trainings and invaluable resources. With coaching, you get monthly live trainings and Q&A sessions, along with my favorite part, the weekly one-on-one office hours, where we get to address your unique questions and challenges. And then there's the community, where you get to connect with an amazing group of talented female photographers who share your passions, supporting each other and inspiring each other to greatness. The best part is it doesn't come with an expensive one-on-one coaching price tag. You get all of that for just $47 a month. You can even try it for free for 14 days to make sure it's a good fit for you. And there is no contract and no obligation you can cancel at any time. So what are you waiting for? Head down to the show notes and click the link to learn more and get signed up today. And let's make 2024 our best year yet. Yeah, well, first, I never see, if somebody is married, I never see them without their spouse because the first thing that couples have to accept is that they have common goals, right? So whether or not you've decided to keep your finances separate or together, you still, most of the time, live in the same house together. You know, you both have cars that you fund with each other's joint names. You have these combined expenses. So first defining what those combined expenses are and then defining what each individual is bringing in as a proportion to what it takes to fund those not only monthly expenses, but also goals going forward. Being transparent with each other when it comes to money is so important. And a lot of the times our sessions turn into a little bit of marriage counseling, right? Because (laughs) finance finance is a huge topic that a lot of couples argue about. And a lot of the times it comes from just one, not being transparent two, not understanding each other's mindset when it comes to money and why they want to hoard, hoard it all and why the other wants to spend it all. Um, And I think just defining what all of that looks like is the most important piece of it. And that comes from having a plan, right? If you know your joint expenses, well, you know, if the business makes this, you and your entrepreneur um, income, then this is what I can contribute or this is what I need to contribute. This is what I need to make. Having those numbers in your head makes things so much simpler yeah in that you know how much you need how many bookings you need to get in a month or how much revenue you need to bring in things like that but I think just being transparent with each other and having the conversation um even if you need a mediator which is what we are most of the time (laughs) um you know just having the conversation well and I think you know, I, I listen to a lot of podcasts and one of the ones I really love listening to is Dak Shepard's podcast. And he talks a lot about how he and his wife, Kristen Bell, they went to couples counseling, even with, before they were married, they started couples counseling when they were dating and not because anything was wrong, but because they wanted to have these little check-ins, you know, these somebody, a third party that could see things in a different perspective than the two people involved in the relationship. And they've been going ever since. And I loved that idea of, and the same thing with what you were talking about financially, I think having somebody that you and your spouse, if you know that the two of you struggle to talk about this or it becomes argumentative or feelings get hurt or whatever, it's, it's really smart to have somebody that even when things are going well, and even when your business is making money and, 
and everything's great just to have that check-in and to have sort of that like maintenance, like you do maintenance on your car, you go get checkups on your, with your doctor, you know, every year, like you need to do the same thing with your marriage and your finances. So I think that's really, really important to do. It's not just for people who are struggling, I guess is what I'm trying to say. Oh no, not at all. And, uh, you know, based on the conversation that you have, sometimes, sometimes you feel that the financial advisor's recommendation is siding with the husband and that's not necessarily true, right? Because we're very black and white for the most part and and that, no, this is what the numbers say. So this is what, you know, sometimes has to happen. Uh And then being a female financial advisor, I'll just take that going back to what you're saying earlier, as far as that, the industry was always older, middle-aged men sitting across from the table. And I found that being a female advisor, the female in the couple is typically more engaged and, and feels more comfortable to ask the question. Like, mm-hmm. what, what, hey, stop for a second, Andy. What's a stock? What's a bond? Yeah. Well, this Roth IRA that you're talking about? How does it work? What does it do? And sometimes they didn't feel that that sense of comfortability to be able to ask that of the middle-aged person who was 20 years their senior. Yeah, so, absolutely. No, I can throw that in there. And I think, you know, like, and just to kind of jump on that same, on the same topic is having someone that I can feel comfortable with too, or that any woman can feel comfortable with because men also have an ego thing. A lot of times when it comes to money, I know that the men that I have come in contact with, that's the, that's the case. And so just sit into in a room where they're not going to ask that question, even if it's a man sitting across the table from them, they're really not going to ask the question, even if the, if the spouse doesn't know the answer because their ego is keeping them. They, you know, a lot of men are going to sit in these meetings and they're gonna be like, I know all this. I know all this when they really don't. So the woman having, mm-hmm. you need the woman to feel comfortable to ask those questions, in my opinion, because they're the ones who are willing to ask the questions. And so having someone like you, or even if it's a man, it doesn't matter who it is, but someone you feel comfortable with to be vulnerable and say, I don't know what this means, or I don't know the next steps to take in our financial situation. And that's really a, a key thing also. Yeah, going back to talking about, you know, finance is a taboo topic, that's what prevents a lot of people from even having that initial conversation. And sometimes they're embarrassed and they don't feel comfortable because it truly is, you know, we're, we're, we're raised, don't talk about your salary with other mm-hmm. people. Don't tell them what you have in the bank or how much debt you have. But um, when you go and have that conversation, especially with a stranger, it's like stripping off all your clothes and being naked. It's one of your very, very personal matters of yourself and your family that's hard to share. And because of that, a lot of people don't get help or ask for help or even check in to see if they need help. And that definitely shouldn't be the case. You know, we don't judge. We've seen everything out there. And that's what we're here for. So let's talk a little bit about cash flow because this comes in a lot of different questions forms of questions some of it is having to do with paying yourself a salary setting aside money for taxes uh, how to track your finance your income and your your um, expenditures things like that so can we just kind of like briefly go over like cash flow in general like what are your tips for all the things that I just mentioned yeah. One of the things I think he sent me over was do as a business owner, is it okay to combine my business finances with my personal finance from the get go? Right. Mm, no, I'm going to say no. Uh, keep, keep that separate because you know, you should as a business owner want to grow and knowing that you're going to grow, it's only going to make it more complicated to go back to see the history of your business when you're trying to separate it from your personal account. So because all of your business financials is important for projections and expenses and cash flow and understanding the health of your business, which is so important at every stage that you just want to keep that separate. And doing that, you you know, if you can invest in a bookkeeping system that's going to help you track that cash flow and what you're spending and what's keeping uh, what's coming in instead of just 
trying to keep track of it on an Excel sheet. Yeah. You know, there's so many, so much technology out there that can just integrate with your business bank account. That's super easy. And, um, I'm, I'm a huge fan of that. Um, as far as cash flow, I, I love the book profit first because the reality is that eight, eight of eight out of 10 small business owners will fail at some point because they generate all this income and revenue and they're spinning their little wheels. But if they can't get a handle on their expenses and actually become profitable, then you're just going to keep spinning your wheels and working as hard as possible without having anything to show for it. You might bring in more and more and more money, but you're also going to spend more and more money doing that. So it works exactly the way it works with your personal finances. But again, being proactive and understanding, if I want my business to pay me $3,000 a month, then you should be thinking about it in, I have to make this much in revenue minus my $3,000 a month. And this is what I have left over in expenses to spend on growing my business, buying new equipment, right? And that's why the book Profit First, I just love it because it flips that formula of revenue minus expenses equals profit and puts profit first in that revenue minus it equals expenses. And that's exactly what we look at when we're thinking about personal financial planning. It's like, we're going to take a trip to Europe in 2021 worth $6,000. Well, I have to save $300 a month for the next two years to get to that goal, right? So we're putting very actionable items in there and we're saving first before we go out to eat or go buy a dress or whatever it may be. Does that make sense? Yeah, no, absolutely. Yeah. And I think one of the things that I've started doing that's really helped is because I think it's easy to like forget the goals you have in mind when they, when they're so far out, you know, like you said, like if you're planning a trip to Europe and you're, you're saying, okay, I need to save X amount of dollars a month. Well, if that trip is two years away or even six months or a year away, it's easy to forget the, the why behind what you're doing every day. And so I've started, I don't know if you're familiar with Rachel Hollis, but she has a, I think called start today journal where every morning it's kind of like a little morning routine and you write down your goals and then you write down the one big goal that you're focusing on first, kind of like the Dave Ramsey snowball effect. Like you accomplish one goal and then it leads into accomplishing another goal and so on and so forth. And so mm-hmm. for me, my big goal right now is us becoming debt-free. And that includes everything, car payments, you know, house payment, hopefully, and credit cards, things like that. And so me writing that down every single morning is the reminder I need to go, okay, maybe I don't need to go to Starbucks today. Or, you know, I can have a sandwich at home instead of going out to lunch with a friend or eating out dinner tonight. Or, yeah, maybe I need to skip the Target trip. And so if I didn't write that down every single day, I would forget. And then I would come up to six months from now and go, oh yeah, I was supposed to be saving for that really awesome trip. And now I haven't done it. So I think even going further off of what you said, if you can do something every day to remind you of that goal you've set and the why you're doing what you're doing to accomplish that goal, I think that helps keep you on track as well. Yeah, absolutely. I'm a huge fan of gratitude journals and powerless and all that in the morning. Mm-hmm. Taking it one step further, you know, why why is it so easy to save into our 401k or our teacher's retirement? Because we don't think about it. We don't ever see it. It just goes. It's automatic. Yeah. You don't have you don't have a choice in some in some of the matter. But it's automatic. You don't even know it's there when you're thinking about, oh, I have the $5 to spend at Starbucks. You don't even have $5 because you already put that $300 towards a Europe trip or whatever it may be. And that kind of goes into the saving for taxes, right? Automating your finances is the biggest thing that you can possibly do for goal achievement. Because once you automate it and once you put it into account that you can't touch or it's out of sight, out of mind, um, that is, 
you know, like I said, you don't have the $5 to spend at Starbucks and there's a fine balance, right? That's always about balance. There's no point spinning our wheels and working as hard as we're trying to work. If we're going to save every single dollar that we make, we're still trying to live a life and a life that's worth living. Right. So there's a fine line between, you know, how much you're going to save and how much you're going to spend. But well, that leads me, yeah. sorry, that leads me to a question I was going to ask too, is the automating part. So, and maybe there's a program, that's what I'm actually, my question is, is there a program out there that helps you do that? Because I find for me personally, you know, I'm, I get money coming in at random times. So like if I've sent out invoices, someone might pay that invoice at 11 o'clock at night because that's when they have time to do it. Or maybe I have an invoice come in at six in the morning. And by the time I get a chance to go into my account that day and go, okay, I got paid on these three invoices in the last 24 hours. I need to just kind of divvy it up. You know, I might go days and I forget and I don't divvy up that money into like, you know, taxes and savings and that. Are there programs out there that will do that for you automatically? Like when a payment comes into your account, you can say, I want 10% to go here. I want 5% to go here. I want, you know, whatever to go here. Is there something that'll do that for you automatically? Or is it just something you have to do on your own? That's kind of combined there. You can absolutely set automatic direct deposits up to whatever bank you really want. Even if you're using online banking like Ally or, um, anything like that. I think knowing how much you need to put into each bucket is also just as important as it is setting up the automatic transfer. And if it's once a month and you can, you know, your minimum amount that you see once a month is X. And you know, based on that, you can set up your $200 to taxes and 10, you know, a hundred dollars to back into the business or whatever. Um, then yeah, it's a combination. Uh, it's just like setting up multiple direct deposit accounts in your corporate payroll, mm-hmm. right? You just, you just have to do it and know how much to put into each individual account. Um, so doing it on a monthly basis is really, really helpful. And this works a lot for variable income, people or people who don't have a steady paycheck. What we do, um, we have a strategy that we recreate a paycheck um, for people like realtors and insurance agents and sales and entrepreneurs who don't have a steady paycheck. We recreate that so that you can live a life where you're used to getting a certain amount per month and you're not even thinking about what's going on behind the scenes. Okay. If you had a $5,000 a month, um, sorry, $5,000 month in January and a $3,000 a month in February for your lifestyle, you might've just received 2000 each one of those months for your, to pay your bills or whatever it lives. Um, but behind the scenes you're saving for taxes, saving for future goals for the business, saving for new equipment, doing all of that. And so that's something that y'all like you would handle as a financial planner. Like you would, so that like they wouldn't even see the money. They would just be like you kind of giving them, divvying out to them what their monthly, I guess, salary or allowance kind of is. Is that how that works? Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah, exactly. Yeah. We that's try to really create smart. stability. Yeah. yeah. Cause that was one of the biggest, you know, and concerns that my husband and I had in the idea of me quitting my teaching job and going full time was just that you go from having X amount of dollars every month coming in to, well, I don't know, it could be half that one month. It could be three times that another month. It could be, you know, this or that, or we could have a month where I don't have anything coming in. And so the non stability part of it has been a struggle. And mm-hmm. obviously it gets easier if you're making more than you did in your previous job consistently. But so I like the idea of having kind of like, I'm going to pay myself this amount each month and everything else, no matter what I've made, even if I make more than what I would typically make, it all stays in this one account and I pay myself the same $2,000 a month or whatever. So that's a really good way to look at it. I like that a lot. I guess for me, I was trying to figure out a way to, cause I kind of look at it as percentage wise. So like if someone pays me a thousand dollars for a session 
and I'm using that because it's a nice round number. I want 10% to go here and 20% to go here and, you know, 70% to go here. And, but then the next, you know, next invoice that comes in might be $600. And so that percentage is going to change based on the amount coming in. So I guess Mm -hmm. it's just a matter of like, you have to kind of figure that out on your own. Yeah. And then one month, if that happens, one month or one week, you're going to have much more excess money than you did the previous, you know, lower invoice week. And then what are you going to do with that money? Yeah. You're going to spend it. Yeah. All the time. Yeah. Away. You're going to spend it. So if it's not being captured, you're stealing from your, not stealing, that's aggressive, but (laughs) you know, essentially, um, taking from your business when you don't need to be taking from your business because once you're set in your lifestyle and you have your mortgage and your cars, you know how much the kids need for new clothes and all of that. It's, it's pretty consistent. You're going to have months where you're going to travel and you're going to have bigger spend months like the holidays and that's understandable, but we're programmed as humans. The more money we have, the more we're going to spend. Oh yeah. So you kind of have to hide it from yourself in a way. No, I think that's really, really smart. I like the way that I like looking at it that way, you know, cause it's true. We do need, you know, we, we are creatures of habit and we know essentially what our monthly income needs to be in order to cover the bases plus like groceries or entertainment or whatever we, we budget for. And then, yeah, like I think, it's, you know, it's true. Cause it's work. It's done that with me. Like I know the months that I have more money coming in than I normally do. The first thing I do is go, well, what can I spend this on? You know? And, mm-hmm. and then it's like, okay, well that money doesn't exist yet. You know? And then that way I, it also would give me that peace of mind because I am the saver in our, in my relationship. He's the spender. I'm the saver. And it would give me peace of mind knowing too, that I can tell him I've got X amount coming in and everything else is going to go into savings so that when it comes time to pay taxes or if I do need to upgrade equipment or if this really great, you know, educational opportunity comes up, I can do that. But yeah, I mean, that whole, if you have it, you spend it. It's just a matter of figuring out a way to hide it from yourself so that you don't know it's there. Mm-hmm. I think that's a really smart way to look at it. Yeah. And it sounds really easy, right? It sounds like, oh, okay, well, I'll just open up this account, throw everything in and only send me... And that's great, but behind the scenes, we're also saving for taxes. We're also taking advantage of higher yield things for your cash reserves or emergency fund that's not losing you money yeah. um, as far, you know, when it comes to inflation. And, you know, if you're a business owner, we're funding your retirement with that money. Like all of that is happening behind the scenes yeah. and you, all you see is what you need to live off of. That's nice. Super great. Yeah. yeah. Maybe everybody needs you then. I'm just going to send everybody your way. (laughs) (laughs) Please do. (laughs) I'd be more than happy. I have just a few more questions. I know we're, I don't want to run too long here. So one question, and this one I know I've dealt with myself is just the fear and anxiety around finances. And we've kind of touched on this a little bit, but I think that it's such a big thing. I think so many people have anxiety around money. I know that it's kept me up at night at times. I know that it stresses people out. I know, I mean, conversations I've had with other business owners where it all comes down to money, you know, how much they can make, how much they're not making, how much their husband wants them to make versus what they're making. And like how, or what advice do you have to help people kind of get control of that anxiety and fear and not let it cause them to make decisions based on that fear? Yeah. So I always compare this to kind of sweeping it under the rug, right? Finances are kind of something like the dust that we sweep under the rug and then just cover and never look at. We don't log on to our credit card statements because we don't want to see the number. We don't look at our bank account because we don't want to see the number. We don't, you know, do anything because we, we're afraid to face it. So step one is pulling back that rug and facing that dirt, okay? Just looking at it straight in the eye and saying, yeah, what? I have $20,000 of debt and I, I'm bringing them this money. And, the, you know, whatever it may be, everyone has it. Everyone's dealt with it. But, you know, don't be afraid to deal with it. And the second part of that is just having a plan, And this is the biggest thing that 
is helpful because if you have a plan, it becomes less scary. The known or the unknowns become known. If you know I'm going to save $20,000 in cash because I'm going to need that in case my AC goes out or the business takes a dip for two months and that's in my bank account, then it becomes a lot less scary to face. When I say a plan, I just mean a step-by-step process to fulfill your goals and the things that are keeping you up at night. Um, that's the biggest part. And what are we taught about goals? They have to be specific, measurable, actionable, all of these adjectives. Mm -hmm. But if you're trying to build a business and you're trying to manage a household and you're trying to raise kids and you're trying to be, especially as women, trying to be good wives, great mothers, great sisters, great friends, great employees, great bosses. I mean, we wear so many different hats. Uh -huh. That alone keeps us up at night. Then we have to think about, well, holy, you know, shoot, <laughs> I have a credit card debt that I also don't want to look at. Um, but if you face it and you just, you know, have somebody look at the numbers, like, yes, this is what I can save and this is what I'm going to put toward my debt. And that's what I'm going to do for the two years until it's gone. And I'm not going to do anything else. Um, I think... Yeah, just turning the unknown into no really minimizes fear alone. Have yeah. somebody there right there with you to cheer you on and r remind you what, why you're doing it and why you're focused and stay focused. You know, we're your little cheerleaders. Yeah, and I, I love that because I think it's so true. It's And just like we talked about before, you know, people are afraid to talk about money with other people. Like it's this taboo thing. And I was at a, a conference one time and I was kind of in this room with these women who were really successful. And I was really just kind of there observing. And one of the things that I loved was that they had no fear around telling you how much money they made, how much money they spent on certain things, where their money came from. And I, it was such a nice feeling. Like at first you kind of get that like uncomfortable, like, am I supposed to be listening to this? Is this, am I allowed here? And, but then after it became obvious that all the people in that room were comfortable sharing that, it mm -hmm. took away the fear around it. And so I think that's one of those things that as women, we need to be more open about talking about these things with each other, whether it's with a professional like you, or like yourself, or even just our girlfriends or other people that are in the same industry as us, having somebody you can go to and say, look, this is you know, this is what I'm making, or this is where I'm struggling, or, Hey, I do have this debt and I need someone to hold me accountable because clearly I can't do it by myself. I think that's going to be a huge turning point in our society is one thing to help us get over this sort of generational taboo of you don't talk about money. Cause I know my parents never talked about it. And my grandparents never talked about it. And so now mm -hmm. we need to change that. I think change the, the mentality around it as much as we can. Yeah. And think about how many people just in your industry, if you shared how much you charge or what your pricing sheet is, think about all the other photographers who might be charging way less than you. If they had a reference point um, for somebody else in their industry to know, hey, it's okay to charge $200 more while they're struggling to get out of debt. And then they realize, oh, I can up my prices. It's okay. People are going to pay this. Now I can get out of debt a year faster because somebody was just open with me about what they make, how they did it, when they, you know, just transparent. Yeah. I don't remember who it was. There was somebody I found online a couple of years ago, and I wish I could remember what her name was, but every month she would put her spreadsheet on online, like on her blog, where she showed you exactly what she made and what she spent and where it went. And I was mm -hmm. like, that was when I found that I was like, this is so refreshing. It's so nice to see somebody being open and vulnerable and willing to share this information when so many people are holding that as if it's, you know, the national treasures and then you're like, you don't want to, nobody wants to share it. But I'm like, if we could just talk about it, it would make it so much easier for us to all open up and feel comfortable about it. Yeah. I think Mrs. Frugalwood has a blog that she shares. I, I want to say that she does. Um, but 
Yeah, I can't remember who it was either. Uh, okay, so are there any resources you recommend? I know you mentioned the Profit First book, and I'll definitely, um, anything you mentioned, I'm going to link in the show notes so people can go and check it out. But are there any other resources you recommend for people, either books, podcasts, courses, websites that you feel like are a good starting point for somebody who is either just getting into business and wants to do it, you know, do it right from the fir- from the get go, or maybe someone who is in, in, you know, kind of into their business and is like, okay, this is a, this is no longer just a side hustle. It's no longer just a hobby. This is a business. Now I need to get things in order. What do you recommend for them to check out? As a business owner, one, like find a community, find a community of other business owners, friends, whatever, you know, just find community and then don't be afraid to email them, call them, say, Hey, can we go to lunch? Can we go to coffee? Can we just talk? Mm-hmm. You know, as women, I, I feel like a, it's interesting to see how many people don't We'll go to an event and meet people and be like, okay, that's it. That's good. But you can learn so much from other people. Just don't be afraid to ask questions and and ask for somebody's time because I guarantee you, especially in the in the environment we are right now, women are helping each other so much. Mm-hmm. So find a community and and chat with them. Two, I love podcasts. I love podcasts. Before I was a financial advisor, you know, I got really crazy into reading um, books about finance and I still, even though I live and breathe this every day, I still live and breathe it 24-7 when I'm not actually at the office doing it. Um, so Profit Boss Radio, um, Hillary Henderson, she's cool. She's awesome. Um, Martinis in Your Money, Shannon McClay is amazing. She's wonderful. Um, the book Financial Freedom is super awesome. Um, and it's just all about being proactive about your finances and how far they can go when you make the small sacrifices. Um, it's all out there. And again, there is so much noise when it comes to finance. So just remember that there is nobody who is in your exact situation feels the same way about money or wants the same goals. So everything is unique. Um, but having the being okay and accepting that and owning it, like, yeah, what? I have $40,000 in debt or whatever, but I'm going to get out of it. And this is how I'm going to do it. And I, you know, totally fine. 75% of people in the world live paycheck to paycheck. Yeah. Nobody, you know, nobody's judging anybody for that. And if you live in a city where, you know, you're trying to keep up with the Joneses, remember that the Joneses might not, you might not see everything behind the curtain from the Joneses. Okay. So you don't have to spend the money and get yourself into debt to keep up with them. Yeah. Just know that that there is a facade out there and do what makes you happy and what's right for you. Yeah. That's so true because I remember very specifically, I was in my probably mid twenties and I had a really good friend who was several years older than me and her husband owned his own business and she worked for him doing, you know, kind of doing bookkeeping. And I was teaching and one summer she hired me to come help her just organize things at their office and clean out their home office and kind of do an overhaul. And I, the, this was the couple that I'm really thinking when I, I want to be them in 10 years. Like they were constantly traveling and they had a really nice house. They just put in a brand new pool and had drove nice cars and always had the newest things. And she would go shopping and not even care about the price tags of things. And you know, when you're 24, 25 and you have your first job, you're like, Oh my gosh, I'm spending $50 at, at target today. Is this okay? And she'd spend hundreds of dollars. And I remember thinking like, gosh, they just have it all. And then that summer working for her, and going through their bank statements to help her organize things. And there were times when they had like $7 in their bank account and $35 in their bank account. And they were thousands and thousands, tens of thousands of dollars in debt. And everything was on credit cards. And it was that summer when I realized I was like, wow, okay, not everything is as it seems. Not everybody is as put together as it seems. And that was back before social media was a big thing. And everybody was putting this front up online. And that was a big Mm -hmm. lesson to me to go, okay, so I'm not going to take everything at face value because I don't know the behind the scenes. I don't know, you know, their story. And so when I look at people who are successful or who are doing these amazing things online, they're, they're traveling and they're buying nice things and they're 
you know, always have the latest, and the greatest, I always think I can mind up thinking, okay, well, at what cost did that come? Like maybe, yeah, maybe they are really able to, to pay cash for all those things. Maybe they're not, you know? So I think it's really something that this day and age and in our society, it's, it's really hard for especially young people to separate that from that reality, from the truth of what's behind the reality. Oh yeah. Call BS on it. 100%. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Well, thank you so much for joining. I know there's a million other questions we could have covered. I don't want to take too much of your time and maybe we can do a part two interview at some point and get a little deeper into some other Mm -hmm. things, but thank you so much for taking your time. I know you're busy and I appreciate you sharing all of your knowledge with all of us. And I will definitely link to everything, all the resources you mentioned. Uh, I'll link to any way that, so do you have a website or a, you know, social media pages that people can follow? I do. Yeah, I have all of it. I have a website that you can get my contact information. Um, because of my licensing, social media is a little tricky. You're more than happy to follow me on uh, my personal page and basically see how obsessed with my husband I am and my dog. Um, <laughs> Andy underscore Sloot, um, just really straightforward. But yeah, I'll, I'll make sure you have all that information Perfect. to get it out to your listeners. Yeah, and I'll sure. all of Thanks that. Thanks so much for having me. Yeah, I'll put all that in the show notes so it's easy for them to find you and and get in touch with you. But yeah, thank you so much for joining me today. I really appreciate it. This was really fun. Absolutely. Thanks so much for having me. Thank Thank you. you. Thank you again. A huge thank you to Andy for coming on the show and taking a huge chunk of time out of her day to talk to us about all things financial planning. I think that this episode had so much great information in it. That's why I didn't want to cut anything out. So I know it's a little bit longer episode this week, but hopefully you were able to power through and take it all in and take notes. If you have more questions, I really want to have Andy back on the show again at some point. So if you have more questions, feel free to send them over and I will make sure that they get asked next time we have Andy on the show. All right, guys, y'all have a wonderful week and we will talk to you again next week. Same time, same place. If you loved today's episode, don't forget to click the subscribe button so you never miss when a new episode goes live. Then head over to iTunes and leave a quick review to let other people know just how much you loved it. Thanks, ladies. See you next week.